Hey, it's Chris. Can you believe it's been seven weeks since we've done a brand new episode? Well, you only have, I guess, two more weeks left uh, before we get a new one. And that's going to be episode 201. Uh, The topic is going to be the top rated games. Uh, Basically, we're going to take a look at the top rated games on BGG and decide whether or not we should be playing those games or not. Um, It'll be an interesting discussion, regardless of of what you think of these more heavyweight games at the top of the BGG list. Anyway, uh, if you want to join us, that's going to be August 24th, and it's 8.30 Central Time. If you are there, you have a pretty good chance of winning a $100 gift card. So somebody in our live audience will win this gift card at the end of the show. So really, this is just me bribing you to come back and listen to us, please, even though we've been gone for two months. Um, But this episode that's coming up, this is a good one. This one is all about Kitty and her table flipping thing. Basically, she gets very passionate with playing games. Um, And there is, again, more new content at the end of the episode. I think we have like 17 or 18 minutes uh, in this one. So there's a timestamp in the show notes if you just want to skip right to the end and get the new content. But this one's worth listening to. So uh, let's have at it. And welcome to episode 75 of Tabletop Game Talk, a show where we talk about tabletop games of all types. I'm one of your hosts, Josh. I'm Chris. And I'm Kitty. Today, we're talking about table flippers. Yes, today we'll be taking a closer look at the players that can take the game a little too seriously. Those that may get a little too upset when something doesn't go their way. It's a sensitive subject, but we're brave enough to tackle it, hopefully. (laughs) <laughs> but first, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Emil Jilljam, George Gia, and Adam Harrison. And a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. Awesome. Thanks, jo- Josh. I called you Josh, right? I think so. Joe, John, I don't know. You can just, any J will work. Right? Whatever, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm Chris. This is Josh. Kitty's sitting across from me. I say this because as of yesterday, we were we became part of the Dice Tower Network. This Hooray! is huge news. I know, right? Um, I listen to the Dice Tower pretty regularly, like all the time. And lots of the offshoot podcasts as well. One of my favorites is the Stephen Bonacore um, Board Game Insider. So uh, we'd like to thank Tom for making us part of the network. And we're proud to be part of the network. Yeah, it's super excited. I mean, I it didn't even know who Tom was like a year ago. Um, but, you know, kind of going to the conventions and stuff. I mean, you got you go to conventions all the time and you've spoken to him a number of times yeah. and kind of gotten to know him over the, over the course of that. But for me, it was just like, oh, this is the guy who a lot of people listen to in, in the world of board gaming. So still kind of a new thing to me. Yeah. So if you're new to the show, Josh is our noob of the <laughs> podcast. <ladamn. laughs> 75 episodes in, but he's still working hard yes. at being... You're you're not a noob anymore, but you are you're more on the outside of the board gaming hobby as opposed to like we suck you in. He's yeah. casually part of the hobby. Casually part yeah. of the hobby. Exactly. I'm the obsessive one. Yes. Oh yeah. And I'm the, the perfect medium <laughs> one, right? It really that, is. That's that how I live yeah. right there in like the seventy five degree sunny 
spot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we'll talk more about that in the second <laughs> half of the show. It's like North Carolina or something. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's my guess. Yeah, so if you are new to the show, our format is pretty simple. At the beginning, the first 20, 25 minutes or so, we do feedback from past episodes. We do have a little announcements. I'm always kickstarting something, so I'll tell you what I kickstarted. He's addicted. I'm totally addicted. The last three episodes, look, this one and the previous two, each focus on a... I'm going to say gamer trait of ours. Um, Not necessarily a positive gamer trait. Yes, it's kind of like our Achilles heel in gaming. So it's kind of a trio of episodes of get to know Josh, Kitty, and Chris Mm, a little bit better. And go deeper into our psychology (laughs) and our past and our deepest, darkest nightmares. (laughs) Um, So we're just going to jump right back into the whole announcement thing. Because, you know, just because we're part of the network doesn't mean we're changing anything. Um, gradually, over time, little tweaks would be made, but that just happens anyway. We're still going to be live to tape because, you know, editing's hard. Editing's really hard. Oh, well, it takes so much time, it really. Does. It does. It's true. So, um, live to tape, essentially, this is like a radio show for us. So, we don't edit anything. There's nothing, you know, I might bleep something we've never really had to bleep anything no. but you like, bleeped me during our drinking games episode i, I did i did what <laughs> we're very friend, family yeah. friendly we, we don't really need to use that it, yeah in 75 episodes i've had to go through and edit like six of them i think yeah. and just minor and you complained about every single one well yeah i, I want I you guys to understand that that's a lot of work for me when i, do I that. know i know <laughs> you, you do do most of the work all right i want to give a huge thank you to chris anderson on board game geek he did a mini badge for us um and i like what he did and i'm like well let's see if we can make it a little bit similar to the logo so i put one up there and now it's kind of a we're looking at both of them and weighing our options of like which one looks yeah i mean if it wasn't for chris we wouldn't have even thought about it yeah exactly so i I definitely want to give a shout out for chris regardless of which one we choose um but i do want to give everyone a chance to take a look at it so there's a link in the show notes that goes directly to the board game thread where you can see um both of them. Uh, just give me a, like which one do you like best, and then at the end of the week, we will put one of them up there on Board Game Geek, and we can start getting badges for Tabletop Game Talk. A uh, quick reminder: Gen Con registration is open. We will be there um, for housing. All you have to do is have a badge before February 11th, and you will get a time slot assigned to you at noon on February 11th, noon Eastern time, I believe. Um, hopefully you get a time frame within the first two hours, like from between 12 and two Eastern time. If you don't, then you're probably staying at a hotel. That's like an hour down the road and more like 15, 20 minutes, but still. it's not so bad though. Nah, it's, it's totally doable. It's totally workable. But if you do want to get in the housing block and get into that lottery air quote lottery, um, before the 11th, before the 11th. Yep. Um, and we'll give you more details of what we're going to do there as we get closer. So one of the benefits of being on the Dice Tower network is we get to be a presence at their booths. Oh, so at the conventions. Fun. So you'll be able to, I'm, like I say, I believe everything after it happens. So after Gen Con, if you met me, then I will say it's true that you get to, you could meet us at, you know, the Dice Tower booth. So anyway, might be getting ahead of myself. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we have a current contest. So again, if you're new, I'm going to do that just a couple more times. Um, we love giving things away. I have too many things. I buy things. I want to give them away or I buy things and I love them and I want to give a copy of them away. And when you were moving, the guys were like, is this a board game store? Yes. So I had more game, more boxes of games than everything else combined. Crazy. It was, yeah, I I agree. To be fair, that's my family in books. Yeah. Everyone's got their thing. Oh, yeah. You gotta you gotta collect something. <laughs> if you're not a hoarder, then what are you doing with oh, your life? Exactly. <laughs> but this month we're giving away it's a monthly giveaway. This month we're giving away Kingdom Death Monster. Um, this is the big 
black box of um, its Kickstarter fame. It's I think it made something like $18 million in backing. Ooh. This is just the base. It's just the $250 pledge. Um, the story behind it is I opened the box. I saw I had to put together all the minis. I closed the box and we are now giving it away. So <laughs> how do you enter? You email us at tabletopgametalk at gmail.com. Um, just put January giveaway in the subject. Um, in the body, you need to put your real name. Just let me know what your real name is. And let me know that you live in the continental U.S. Because this one especially is only available. I'm, I can only ship it in the continental U.S. If you're international and you want to enter, shoot me an email. Um, I'm not going to say that you're going to win this. If I draw your name, we might give you something else. Um, maybe a t-shirt or a gift certificate or something. I'm kind of toying with ideas to not rule out the, you know, the one third of my listening audience, our listening audience, sorry, that is outside the U.S. But um, if you are in the U.S., inside the U.S., just email us. Um, and then if you put a show topic, and it's for this contest only, we are collecting show topics for the upcoming year. And if you put a show topic in there and we pick your show topic, um, you will also likely get a t-shirt. The only reason you wouldn't is if a bunch of people pick the same topic, then one person who picked that topic will get a t-shirt. Um, take a look at our back catalog at the types of topics we do and kind of come up with something that's different than that. Um, it's okay to say revisit this topic or that topic, but I'm taking those as requests and not so much as entries. So Yeah. And that'll gain you an extra entry to the contest. As well, yes. Yes. Also, uh, you kind of skipped over Capricorn. Oh, yes. We're going to be at Capricorn. So if you are in Chicago and you want to hang out with me at Capricorn, which is in Wheeling, Illinois, February 15th through the 18th, um, shoot me an email and we'll set something up and we'll definitely play a game. Um, I also skipped over the fact that if you're a patron of the show, you get automatic entry into all of our contests and you don't have to send me emails and you get bonus entries based on your level. So if you're yeah. interested in that, tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon. Okay, let's see. Kickstarter. Um, we're making a good time. This is good. Um, <laughs> you're blasting through it, Chris. I'm impressed. I know. I know. So typically last, last week I decided I'm only doing one Kickstarter a week. Um, there was a couple of Kickstarters that people recommended to take a look at. And then Tiny Epic Zombies pops up on my email. And I'm you like, You can't not get a Tiny Epic something. I love right? Tiny Epic something. You do. You love the Tiny Epic somethings. And this one has not only the little item meeples, which are the plastic meeples that can like hold things. Like, and this one is chainsaws and sawed off shotguns. Ooh. Yeah. Little meeples that are holding chainsaws. Not only do you get that, you also get zombie meeples. Yeah, zombie meeples. And this game has five modes of play. So it has um, a cooperative mode. So you just all play together. That's great for us because, you know, we fight. But <laughs> <laughs> Or we can do cooperative versus the zombie player. So it's a one versus mini game. Um, or you can do competitive mode where they all play against each other. Or competitive versus the zombie, which is double competitive, I think. Wow. I know. That's and then there's options. a solo mode on top of that. And it's a Tiny Epic game, and pretty much all of them have been great. Um, even Tiny Epic Defenders, which I didn't like the first edition, but I think the second edition is going to fix all that for me. So, um, yeah. The base game is only $20. Um, $25 for the deluxe. Oh, wow. Whoa. I know, right? Yeah. Like, how can you not I do mean, this? I mean, the Tiny Epic game series is, they're, they're great. Yeah. And Tiny Epic Quests. So, so easy to bring with you. So great to toss in a bag. Yep. So. These are my work games. Like, Well, actually, they're games that I bring just about everywhere because they are so easy to carry around. But they're games that like, if you want to start up a work group, 
it's very small footprint when they're in the box, but they're a full actual game. Yeah, it's a real game. Like, yeah. Yeah. So um, now let's get into some feedback. Indeed. Well, let's get some feedback about past episodes. And if you have feedback about this or any of our previous episodes, email us or go to our Board Game Geek forums, easily found at tabletopgametalk.com slash BGG. The first one is from Jason Marks. He says, I had a similar problem to you, speaking about the uh, buying too many games <laughs> episodes we had just, just previously. He says, my method of cutting it back is now instead of backing right away, I hit follow button. So it gives me a notification in the last 48 hours. He's talking about Kickstarter. He apparently has 188 backed. I will beat you. I mean, uh, you oh, have... sorry about that. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> a... It's not a competition, Chris. I but I kind of want to know now, like, what do you know roughly what your number probably I think is? I have like 160. 66. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, so I'm close. Okay, so he's he's beating you currently. Yeah. I usually find the time lets me get away from impulse buying, and I have had far fewer Kickstarter disappointments as a result. This way, I can see what's unlocked, look at comments, read the BGG comments on it, and generally be more informed. When on Amazons, etc., I will put things in my car, and I give myself one week before actually purchasing, unless I went online specifically to get it. This way, I can think on it and talk myself out of it. The comment made in the episode about you being smart enough to talk yourself into things. Oh, God, I can't believe we were so kind. (laughs) (laughs) It's totally true, but it can work the other way around as well. Yeah, I love the fact that I got so much advice. But this one is good. And the 48-hour follow, um, I would recommend that to anyone who's new to Kickstarter. Um, Yeah. And we'll have another one email that kind of goes with this. But if you are new to Kickstarter, click that follow. Because if a game is good enough, if it's getting enough buzz, it will get... A, look at the number of backers versus the number of, like, amount of money. The backers is much more important, not the percent funded. The percent funded can be really skewed by basically where they set the number at. But it is a good thing to say, okay, I'm going to get all of these, you know, stretch goals. I'm going to get all of this stuff, all this stuff. It's why all the Kickstarters shoot up drastically in the last 48 hours. For this reason, um, Jason also was the one who won our Massive Darkness contest, and he gave me some pointers as to how to make the game a little bit more fun. He says, first, um, instead of putting all the little you know minion minis on the board, just use some kind of cube as hit points, okay. which I think makes a lot of sense. Like I have a lot of you know component stacks, so it makes that easier. Um, also, he recommends higher player counts for Massive Darkness because he says it's one of the games where as the player counts go up, so do the hit points. So you can start working with each other and building better strategies. It makes the game more interesting. So thanks, Jason, for those tips. All right. So we have an update from Rusty. Rusty is one of our listeners who um, he wrote into us a while ago. His wife was in the hospital. Um, They were looking for good games to play in the hospital, and he has an update on their baby Lincoln finally came home from the NICU after 90 days. He was born at 1 pound, 13 ounces, 12 inches long. He's now 7 pounds, 2 ounces, 19 inches long. He's doing great, and it's wonderful to be under the same roof finally. We still have a long journey ahead, many doctor's appointments, but we have been incredibly blessed. Thank you so much for all of your support. And then a special note to me, he's very excited for us and wishing me a wonderful delivery. So, Oh, yeah. I don't oh. think we mentioned. Oh, if yeah. this is your first episode, <laughs> Kitty is like 12 months pregnant right now. <laughs> I think that's impossible, Chris. Well, it's if you look at it, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it's basically nine 39 months. weeks. 39, it's that's one week off of, of my like due the full, date. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The so, full 
Kitty thing. could be giving birth at any moment now. Yeah, we even Chris moved was it forward. Super considerate to plan this episode all about my habit. Like one week before my due date, I was like, "Are we sure that this is a good idea?" <laughs> but here, I'm here. We're making it work. Yeah. We're good. So we made it. Yeah. If if on an episode in the very near future we replace Kitty with you know the baby, um, then that's that's why she's tired. Baby can. She, yeah, he 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 can fill he, your role yeah. just fine. Oh yeah, <laughs> he can manage. He's really smart already. I can tell. Yeah, yeah. All so the we've got another one from Sam. He says, "I had never kickstarted a game till I began listening to you guys last year or so." Uh-oh, Sorry, Sam. Chris, what have you done? <laughs> uh, and now I'm in the midst of also receiving a deluge of games that I don't know if I have the time to play. Oh goodness, Chris, you've really done a number on this guy. I know. <laughs> Getting all these games now has made me become more particular about doing the research before I back. Yeah. So and and then. As part of that, he also referred, hey, Chris, have you took, took a look at this Kickstarter, Nemesis? <laughs> <laughs> so I did look at it, but I had already backed my Tiny Epic Zombies. Um, but if you're interested, Nemesis is kind of like um, the Aliens movies in board game form. Ooh. So it does look pretty interesting. Um, but I like what Sam said here. It's like, once you start receiving these, because I started like really backing a lot of games when we started doing the podcast, and now I'm just getting tons of them um, in fact sydney my wife she just texted me saying hey more packages and she sent me pictures of them <laughs> um so you start looking at these and you're like oh i really want to play that i really want to play that i really want to play that and then it's like but i have something that's like this and i have something that's like that and just and i think he has a point here where the more you get the more you kind of think oh, maybe i should just hesitate a little bit on the kickstarter thing so the one week one one kickstarter a week that's going to work for me nice all right, we have some more advice about uh, slowing down your game purchases from Steve. I would suggest setting a cap on how many unplayed games you can have at a time, like 10. I would suggest that because the real problem is that you don't like the games that... All right, is let it- me try that again. <laughs> I would suggest that because the real problem isn't that you don't like the games you get. Well, I'm sure sometimes it is, but the real problem is you're buying more new games than you can learn and get people to play. So by connecting how many games come into your collection to how many new games you play, you can still do what you enjoy, learn new games, play a great variety of games, but you will never get more games than you can play. By doing this and limiting the number of games you get rid of without ever playing. This is honestly the best advice that I've heard. This one hit you? Yeah. Like this one just makes a lot of sense because I have, last week I said I was going to you know, post on Twitter my gaming shelves. And I'm going to do that. I do have to clean them first. But that by the time this episode posts, everything should be good. And you can go on Twitter at Tabletop Game TLK and you can see a picture of my shelves and what what's in my collection. But I also plan on putting red sticky notes on all the games I haven't got a chance to play. So like I can look at it and say, okay, here's all these red sticky notes. I should go play those. I like this idea of saying this is like it's your intake is based on how many games you have left that you haven't played. Well, whatever Steve said, he said it way better than I did. <laughs> but I just like the idea of having a maximum number of red sticky notes. Right. Yeah. And I can't bring a new game in unless I get take one of those red That's sticky a notes off. Idea, yeah. So I'm definitely going to use this. It's still so tricky with Kickstarter, though, because yeah. of the delay. So Kickstarter doesn't count. Kickstarter is just going to be a parallel trend. Okay. Um, It'll just be one. So one you're just going to have a, a separate section for Kickstarter games. Yeah, so that means okay. like part of your convention prep is going to be like 
playing Purging all the sticky yeah, notes making sure i play all those games yeah before i go to conventions which because, is great i yeah. love forcing myself to play games because it's true i didn't get they these really games. get to the table then yeah, yeah. i didn't get these games because i didn't want to play them um steve also i <laughs> he promised that he would and he did he wrote a review of first martians which is a really good review um it's up on bgg there's also a link in the show notes so if you want to take a look uh, take a read um He's making me look at it in a different way. Um, I should probably play the campaign. I think I've already given it away in a big box of games, but maybe I'll have to go buy it again. I'm not going to do that. Steve, if we ever meet, bring up, bring first marches and I will play it with you. Nice. Well, we've got one from Michael Knight. He says, I really enjoyed your episode on not buying games. While I do not buy anywhere near as many games as Chris, I have limited. I have a limited budget and space in which to store games. As I listened to the episode, I began to analyze why I purchase games, the games that I do. One of my problems is collection. If I get a game, I want to then be sure to get all the expansions. This happened when I started out with X-Wing by Fantasy Flight Games. I ordered the starter set on Black Friday a couple of years ago. By Christmas, I had a dozen expansions by snatching them up when they went on sale on Amazon. They added up quickly. The same was with Star Wars Imperial Assault. I have not yet got through the entire campaign of the base set and have several expansions. I was afraid if I didn't get it when it came out, I would miss out. Yeah, so this is actually very, very similar to me. Like, just buying... I want to be the completionist. Like, living card games, I only will do one. And right now I'm doing Star Wars. I have to buy a new pack every month. But that's okay. It's just one game. And I do enjoy that game. It doesn't hit the table as often as it justifies buying a pack every month. But it satisfies that completionness in me. Right. Um, one of the things I do want to mention, I like what Michael's saying here, where we were just talking, like, last episode was a lot of talking about me and my compulsive need to buy games. But why do we talk about these topics? It's really just to get people thinking, right? It's yeah. Like a different viewpoint. I think the analysis paralysis episode, we had a lot of people like, wow, this just really made me look at this differently and think about it differently. So, Michael, I'm glad that we gave you something to think about. Um, he does go on and explains the exact same issues i have with kickstarter because his addiction to kickstarter um but he, he finally ends with thanks for another great episode i look forward to each tuesday to get the latest episode hope all goes well with kitty and the birth of her new baby children change your life for the better start playing games early of course so oh yeah there's no uh worry in that in that department <laughs> <laughs> all right so we've got a comment from aaron on bgg about analysis paralysis on page 28 from the Scythe base game rulebook, the delay of game variant says that if a player delays the game while the game is being played, not during game end scoring, for more than 10 seconds by trying to calculate the final score, they lose to popularity. Just wanted to point out that in some games, battling AP is a part of the rules. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've not seen it in a ton of games, but I have seen it in like those point salad games where if you're trying to calculate, sometimes that'll be a penalty if like, oh, I'm calling you on it. Well, if you're trying to like, you shouldn't be calculating on your turn. You've got like five other player turns exactly. to calculate right. that. Yeah. That's especially in Scythe. It's so crazy complicated to try to figure out everyone's score. If you're doing that on your turn you're really slowing down the game. Yep. One of the things I really like about Scythe, though, and actually a Great Western Trail. Um, is it Great Western Trail? I think so. Um, the one with all the cattle? 
yeah, that is the one with all the cattle. I'm trying to think if the turns, the turns go really fast in that one too. Yes. Yeah. So both of those games, the turns go very quickly. So on your turn, like in Scythe, you only have four th- actions you can choose from because you have five on the board and you can't choose the same one twice. So you have a very limited selection. And then Great Western Trail is kind of the same way where, you know, you can only go to maybe so three, far. one, two or three different spaces. They're both really good games at kind of combating that because i remember playing scythe and not being the ap player like even though i am like in a lot of games it didn't happen in scythe yep. whereas there was a lot to think about but you know, like you said it, they just manage it really well yeah you have a limited number of choices and then you so you it's it just takes the selection set yeah. down yeah, I like this. Um, we also got a comment from Kellen Lee commenting on AP. Uh, he thinks that Josh could really benefit from looking up the rules or watching videos ahead of time. And they use a uh, timer for their AP player. And they say it works out pretty well. They do, do use the timer for everyone. Yeah, so. I, I'm still on the fence about the timer. I completely agree about the video and the and the rules. But yeah, the timer, I, someone else commented last week that like it can cause a lot of paralysis. And I've definitely I think that. it depends a lot on the person okay so i was thinking about this what if it's not a timer what if it's a stopwatch where you just are aware of how much time you've taken like a count up like there's no penalty for like it's counting down now you only have 10 more seconds to make your like that can like freeze you yeah but if you're just watching a stopwatch and you're like oh man it's been five minutes now it's time like i really need to just i think that would i think that would work yeah if everyone had one as well you didn't just put it on one person yeah Yeah. it's kind of like the chess clock for gaming yeah. yeah, you know, like because it it just moves up. It doesn't count you down. It yeah. doesn't buzz. There's no like. Yeah. Ah, and moment. honestly, even if you just use that as the tiebreaker, you know, it's like that. Whoever took the less time, that's yeah. the person who breaks the ties. Yeah, you know, so great. you could replace tiebreaker rules with that, and that would like it gets a little bit of element of I should go a little bit faster because I want to be ahead in the tiebreaker thing. But if I think longer, I still get my points. But people are still watching the amount of time. And if you're like, oh, we played for two hours and. 80 minutes of it was me mm. then that kind of like is an Just awakening like opens thing too your awareness yeah. i guess sure. um all right we do have a quick question we're gonna skip this because we're running a little long so jason we will do your question next week i promise <laughs> <laughs> um but in the meantime we are going to press this button it's going to play music and then josh is going to talk you'll you'll see it's easy In this episode, we're talking about table flippers. In other words, it's Kitty's turn to be on the hot seat as we look into what triggers her emotional responses during gameplay. So with just a touch of fear and hesitation, let's get started. (laughs) Now, this was Kitty's idea to have this episode. Yeah, it was. And uh, and, and I think, you know, we've all done, you know, I did my analysis paralysis, you did your buying games thing. And it's very like, it's almost like we're all doing like a therapy session here. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) It's Kitty's turn to be on the couch. So Kitty, tell us about your mother. Well, I (laughs) (laughs) actually, to follow up on that, because I don't know of a time you've ever actually flipped the table. You've never done it with us. Oh, no. no. But have you ever actually flipped the table? Okay. Or board. Or board. Or anything like similar. I have thrown pieces. Okay. Oh, yeah. Active, I, I, active pieces you needed for the game? Yeah. Okay. That like, counts. <laughs> <laughs> like, just picked up a handful of, like, whatever was in front of me and, like, thrown it at the wall behind the other player. I've never thrown pieces at a person, though. It's all fun and games until someone loses an eye. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that was a long time ago. I don't think I've done it. Um, I was very bad as a child. With 
my table flipping and piece throwing and just like getting up and stomping away from the table. But as I have grown, I, I think I've aged out of this a little bit. Maybe I can give some insight into. Well, you have less tantrums, but you do get emotionally. I do still shaken. get emotionally yeah. involved. Yeah. And, and it, I can understand that. I mean, I, I do actually suffer from this a little too, because we're both very competitive when we play games, especially yes. the ones that are competitive in nature. Yeah. And just to throw me in the loop too, because we were talking just before this. So we, we try not to talk about the subject before the bikes get turned out, but every once in a while. Because <laughs> um, in a competitive game, I rarely get emotional. The only time that I actually get emotional is if the whole table is like ganging up on me for a, like just for the sake of ganging up on me. And that know, emotion tactic if you're playing chris well it's pretty good sure <laughs> but that, that emotion is just saying okay fine i'm not gonna win so it's sort of a eh, fine i give up you know right. you guys got me go ahead and play your game and i'll i'll do my turn when it's my turn but that's that's rare it doesn't well, happen the, that the, time, the thing that kitty brought up was the fact that you get very emotional when we're playing cooperative games yes. when you disagree with people's ideas about what our next move should be yeah because you can be the alpha player in those games and, and that's when you get emotional yeah so my day job is making decisions right that's what i do i'm i'm like a technology manager and my you know people are asking me all the time what should we do what should we do and it's my impulse just to make decisions very quickly and you know this makes sense to me and this is how we should do it so when there is that competition such as pandemic legacy season two where it's like where do we do our upgrades <laughs> people who work with chris you need to push back on him a bit more he, he's clearly not used to it you know having us like challenges his ideas because last week we were standing like almost like forehead to forehead just like oh, oh yeah. <laughs> we both had very strong opinions and i don't think we did either of them no suddenly <laughs> i think spencer came up yeah. with an idea he did. yeah we were like yeah let's just do that yep and uh, yeah spencer's like well what if we did this and this and, and kitty and i are like okay <laughs> yeah that makes sense but when you are up against something like you feel so passionately about so that was last week yeah. What were you feeling? So I was, you had a, a recommendation and we won't go into the recommendation because um, A, we don't want to spoil it and B, Secrets. I don't remember the exacts, but it was something about putting two stickers on two cards or one sticker on one card and one sticker on another card or what we cards were we going to put stickers on? We were picking a city, basically. Yeah. And I had one city in mind and you had a different city right. in mind. Um, and uh, I feel like we we try to make decisions as a group. So I was trying to like, persuade the group but like josh and spencer were both just like we don't care (laughs) (laughs) yeah you had a very different opinion from mine um that i felt like had some flaws and i i feel like i get very frustrated when i feel like i'm not being heard okay right so sometimes i would start to say my piece and then like if you would like well that doesn't matter like you would just like dismiss my point before i even felt like i got to make it all the way Mm. oh we're turning this around on me now no i I feel bad um, (laughs) (laughs) no i hadn't thought about that but that's a good point um well no because i also have the tendency to like reiterate things a lot and it can take up a lot of time and you know it's not your job to like you know care for my emotional well-being while we make well, I assure a you, fairly trivial decision. I assure you I knew exactly what two cards you wanted to put the stickers on. Yeah. At all times. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, it's like two lawyers in a courtroom. You know, it's like you have two very different ideas of what should happen or did happen and you're just like, you're not going to concede an inch, you know? You're just like, no, this is the way I see it. Like, you know, and, and 
you did a good job of explaining yeah. it. I think it was just Chris had a completely different view. Well, well and yeah, and, and at one point, I'm like, I was willing, like, I think this is the better move, but I am not going to veto your move. So right. let's go ahead and do right, that. Right, exactly. And I think I had the same stance and we were just at this like stalemate. Where, oh, like, you never wanted to do what I wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> but I have learned to be willing to do what you do and then get to I told you so you later. That feels true. really good. That's I really nice. enjoy a good I told you so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, going back to the sort of childhood thing, like I, I remember like having a lot of competition with my siblings really started it. Like video games for me was where it began. We'd be playing like Street Fighter and I would just lose it if I kept getting crushed. And I'd just like like you throwing the controller at the TV or at my brothers. Like I think that's most of where it comes from in a competitive game is when you feel like you're not in the game anymore, especially, um, or you feel like everyone's ganging up on you, or you had a strategy and somebody just like completely messes up your strategy, and it feels like they didn't even have a strategy, and they just like took yours out, and that was their whole thing, and now right. they're going to win because not because they did a good thing, but because they ruined what you were doing. Right. When you guys go into playing a game, do you expect that you're going to win? Like, do you play the game because you think that you can beat the, win this game? I, I don't think I'm. I'm expecting it. Like, I know I'm going to win. It's more like my desire to win is very high. That's all it is. It's just like, it's like this really juicy prize. I'm like, I have to have it. You know, it's my precious. I must have the golden cup. Yeah, I never expect to win, but I always really want to win. Hmm. Because I always expect to not win. Like any any game I ever start, I always expect to not win. And I've said this many times, especially when you're playing a new game. I never play to win the first time I play a game. If I do win, that's great. Like, yay, I won. But I never, ever think about winning when I'm playing a game. I just, you know, I'm just kind of in the moment. And if it happens, it happens. I wonder, but it sounds like when you guys play a game, that is what you're focused on. Like, why play the game if you're not going to play to win? Um, I think as we play more games, it's easier for me to just play for, like, the fun of learning and playing the game. If I'm playing a game more than once, though... then I want to win. Okay. Like if I'm learning a game, I can like take that step back, not worry about it as much. Um, but yeah, like otherwise why play a competitive game if you're not trying to win? Well, yeah, it's like, why even score it? You know, like when in the analysis paralysis thing where we we're talking about how, you know, I was taking so long and it was cause I, you know, really cared about the game and I really wanted to, to do well. And it was like, Oh, I, we could just not score the game and that would cut out my competitiveness and my sort of emotions around that. Um, but then, you know, it's kind of why you even have the score. It's like, well, this is, this is how we, this is what we're doing. We're working towards being the best player on the board. Like to me, and I, and imagine you as well, Kitty, it's just mm-hmm. like, but yeah, why, why are we even doing this then if it's not to, to like get the most points? So do you enjoy the emotional roller coaster of needing to win or wanting to win? Not necessarily needing, but wanting to win. Do you enjoy that emotional roller coaster that you're feeling as the game sways your way or away from your way? That's a tough one. I enjoy it within like one standard deviation of sway. <laughs> but once you get out into the second standard deviation, it's like, I can't handle this. Oh, like, And yeah. that's where I think I start getting the like emotional like... Ah, if it's super swingy where like one second I think I'm winning and the next second I'm losing and I can't keep track of it all like that freaks me out or if I just feel like 
there's no chance anymore. I think that's when I get at my worst. I would say yes. So let's let's flash back a little bit to a game the two of you were playing, and I just happened to sadly be in the game as well. <laughs> little you game, loved it, Chris. You loved it. <laughs> a little game called Blood Rage. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, this incident. Yeah. Yes. So I'll set it up. Um, we're playing Blood Rage. Uh, great game by Eric Lang. Um, territory control ish type of thing and you have vikings and you're trying to control territories and really you're trying to get glory typically that means dying but sometimes it means taking monsters putting them on the board and destroying all the figures in a particular territory if all those figures happen to be someone's and that person someone was trying to get a particular quest that meant hey have figures in this or get a bunch of points for having figures there and the monster comes in and completely destroys your strategy kitty at that moment you were mad It was very angry um, because not only was uh, it that I got points for um, everyone in that territory at the end of the game, I also got points for everyone killed in Ragnarok. And so it was like double points that I lost. And not only did I do this once during this game, I did it twice. I let him get me twice. (laughs) <laughs> so let's focus on the first one because I think we're going to talk about both. Was a, the first one was a surprise. Yeah. Well, in the first one, you were really mad. I was like, very angry. Yeah. Why did you go there? You destroyed my entire strategy. I have no chance of winning. Like these, these were the feelings you were feeling at the time. Yes. Especially because I felt like you, Chris, had a lot of points and there were other places where this monster could have gone. And that, yeah, like Josh might have picked up one more point by doing this to me than doing it to a territory where it affected both of us. So it felt a little bit more personal than if, you know, it was a bad thing that happened to multiple people. It just felt like it was happening to me for, like, one extra point for Josh. And I was, like, there was nothing I could do about it. And it was just very frustrating. And I was, like, now me and Josh both – because, like, Josh was really far behind, as I recall. Yeah, I think so. And he did this. And I was, like, well, now Chris is just going to (laughs) win. Like, you could have you could have balanced the playing field more. But, no, you went for, like, it was your best move for you. Yeah, and I wasn't – yeah, obviously, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just thinking about optimal moves. Yeah. But I totally get where you're coming from. I remember playing, you know, the Star Trek game with Chris and Jen. And it was a similar thing. I just got, like, crushed in the middle of them. And I was just, like – Oh, I just felt so out of it. And I think there's, there's an element to it where you just, it feels so personal, not only getting crushed by other people, but like if you're really far behind everyone or, you, you know, you just completely get wiped out of the game. I don't know. I just take it personally. Like, oh, I'm, I'm so bad at this game. Especially and, you know, when it's like this- one move that wipes you out of the game yeah. too. You know, if it's like, oh, I picked a poor strategy here. Um, right. Also, it was the first time I played the game. So I didn't know what all the monster powers were. I didn't know that there was, you know, Josh puts this piece on the board and it kills me. Like, I didn't know that that was happening the first time. So but- let's jump to the second time. So Blood Rage is played in three ages. This yes. happened in the second age. Yes. In the third age, you still had the same quest cards. You still had the same abilities. And you still had the same strategy, which was put all of your guys in that same territory. I thought that he had already played it. But he hadn't. Now, you weren't upset that second time. The second time you were like... I was less upset because it was my own fault. I could have seen what was ha- If I had been paying attention, I knew what the monster could do. I knew what Josh's move would be in that case. I had seen it all before. That was on me. So, 
going now that's so that's the symptom right that's what yeah. we're seeing and i think we I, we agree sort of that if you if you really are emotionally invested in winning you are emotionally invested in the game and if something goes against you that's going to take you away from being able to win that heightens those emotions yeah in the same way we're talking about you know josh and how do we handle your ap and me and how do i handle my obsessive buying habits how do we handle emotions like like kind of leveling that out when you go into a game, because you hate take that games. I do. Mostly. So I generally try not to play them. Except that Risk is one of your favorite games. So Risk is so long term, and there's so much luck involved. There's so much dice that it doesn't feel like, yeah, sure, you're attacking people. But you know, they're it makes sense that they're attacking you. It's the whole game is to be attacked. And you can do things to defend yourselves. And there's strategies to protect against that. But Games where, um, I don't know. I like hate Munchkin. Munchkin, Munchkin yeah. is just the worst yep. so, <laughs> for me. So take that games that essentially the game focuses around you knocking other players down so that you can climb up. Munchkin being a very, very popular, probably one of the most uh, known take that games yeah. of all. Um, I would never want to play Munchkin no. with you because... We talked, and this is an episode probably, I don't know, 30, 40 episodes ago. Um, we were talking about how Josh and I, when we're playing a game with you, we will change our strategy because we don't want you to get upset. So we might do something that's a little subpar if it's not going to make Kitty mad. And that really, like, hearing you guys say that made me really consider what I bring to the table. And you don't want to be that person where like, oh, I make it not fun for other people to play with me. Yes. So I've really worked on myself of like recognizing when these things are happening, taking stock of like my emotions during a game and just like taking a deep breath and being like, it's just a game still. Like, you know, take that step back, especially if we're playing for the first time, give myself the... I'm not trying to win. I'm just trying to learn experience um, and the more laid back. But when we're playing a game super competitively still, I, I still get caught up. In that. Yeah. It's a, and it's hard to like, even remember, like, you know, you know it and, and I, you know, recognized it when you guys said about the AP thing, when we played that game, but it's like, you know, you get, and I even told myself at the start, okay, I'm, I'm not going to win this game. Don't get sucked into trying to win. And then halfway through, I just <laughs> it just happened, and I did almost like imperceptibly, and you and suddenly I care about the game, and I I want to do every move op- optimally, and it's just like wow, how did that happen? I told myself at the beginning I wasn't going to do this, and I and I did it anyway. It's when you feel like you're going to win, yeah. I think, like when you have that taste of like, oh, I'm doing really well. It just like it feeds the inner competitive monster. Oh, totally. You get that little spark of hope, and then you like. Well, I'll just get a little bit more emotionally invested in this because I feel like I'm going to win. And then when it's ripped away, it's the worst. Oh, man. So I like the emotional investment. I think that that part is is healthy. You know, it's sort of like we're, we're – I've heard it referred to as like the circle of trust. When you're playing a game, you are all going into the game that's the same boundaries. You're playing by the same rules. And you're in that world. That world's a whole different place. So there's – it makes sense to have some emotions in that world, right? Like that, there's no rules against not being emotional. Um, however, the one emotion that is the problem, I think, is anger. It's the one where you're mad at someone for doing something that affected you. 
like being like frustrated or disappointed or oh man i can't believe you did that because that but not being angry at that person i think that's okay if it's like Josh, why did you do that? It was the worst thing you could do. Now my strategy, and, and then you're throwing your hands up. That's the part that makes it like more uncomfortable and awkward. Yeah, you've directed it at a person, and I I think where I I used to come from was I would think I could talk them out of it, even though it's a move <laughs> that's already been done. Like you know, I felt like I still had some sort of control in the issue, like. No, but if you had just done this to Chris instead, or if you had just done this other thing, we could have all had so much more fun and more points. (laughs) It's so funny because it's it's very metagaming. Yeah, it's very (laughs) metagaming, isn't it? In a way. I mean, you know, you might not even have been aware at the times that you did them, and that's what you're doing, but I guess you're reflecting back and seeing Oh, yeah. I'll I'll do that. I'll do that. Sometimes it's tongue-in-cheek. Sometimes it's just casual. It's It's like, you know, Josh, that would be a good move to go right there for you. You, and you and oftentimes, oftentimes I'm actually being legit and saying that would be a good move. If you're having a hard time making a decision, I might be just, you know, helping you. Um, but other times I may be like, that might be a good move for you. And you did something. It, it doesn't directly benefit me, but it doesn't hurt me because had you gone in that other spot, that would have hurt me. Yeah, so, I've seen you do that a ton of times. It's funny that when you put words to it, it's like, oh, yeah, I have seen you do that a ton. <laughs> like. Yeah, you can be quite Machiavellian in that way. It, well, it's just it's just you know subtle hints to help you guide you in the right spot before the action. Right. If 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 it fails, then it's like okay, I failed before the action. You know, you made the move I didn't want you to make, because now I have to decide on a different strategy. Um, but yeah, it's it's there's nothing wrong with trying to guide other people, and it's, there's nothing wrong with pointing out. It's like, hey, Josh, Kitty's going to win in two turns if we don't block her from doing this. Now that can make somebody very angry. There are people yeah. out there that's like. You shouldn't tell someone that. Yeah. But I've I've been in that situation as well. Like I, I remember back in London when I was first getting into the scene and that exact situation. I was like, hey, we can stop her from winning. Like and someone was like, I don't like that way of playing. And I I would this was like one of the first times I was getting to ball game. I didn't even really understand what he was getting at, but this is exactly what you're talking about. It's like yeah, she should be allowed to win. You know, you shouldn't be pointing out to other people what they can do to stop. It's not a co-op. It's not one versus many. I see. And I don't know. And right. I'm literally, figuratively, literally on the fence about this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> because I think that if there is public knowledge on the board that everyone can see, there is nothing wrong with reminding people about what's there. If you knew that this particular person had a card and that card, when they played it, is going to give them the game. And the reason you know the game, the, they have the card is because you happen to see them draw it and it wasn't supposed to be information you had. That That's is something cheating. that cheats, <laughs> that, that crosses a line. But I think pointing out public knowledge is okay. I think as long as you're pointing out to the group as a whole or just like even making observations about like what's going on on the board, like, oh, hey, look at this. But if you say, like, specifically, Josh, you need to make this move next or this is going to happen. Like, if you're making it very specific of what th- that feels like alpha player, that feels... Sure. Someone's trying to, like... Yeah. Yep. And especially if, Josh, if you do this and stop her from winning, now you're going to win, Chris, because you pointed that out. But but that's sort of what we are always doing, right? Is we want the other players to make moves that help us more than it helps our our opponents. So sometimes we meta that in early. So it's tricky because like if I were to, if you always did that, if or I'm always playing, every time I play a game, Josh is just checking to make sure that any move made is the least optimal for me. 
And Josh is always pointing out. So this one's going to help Chris the least. And this one's not going to be, if you go here, that's going to help Chris a lot. And then you said that for every single person, that is probably going to get frustrating to me. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good, good to know. I have a little uh, ace up my sleeve now if I need it. No, I wouldn't do that to you. Um, interesting podcast I listened to recently. I want to say it was Freakonomics. And they were talking about the headwinds, tailwinds, uh, kind of economic uh, psychology theory. And the idea is that people um, always notice when things are going bad against them. And then they don't notice when things are going really well for them. So, you know, this really comes into play in this kind of like angry, frustrated player thing. You know, obviously, of course, you're going to notice when someone brings their troll in and kills all your men. But you probably didn't notice the three or four moves they made before that might have hurt the other player because you just weren't even paying attention too much to them hurting the other player. Like you didn't yep. really care that much. Um, so we always notice those times when things are going against us, and it just feels like oh, the the, the you know the, the the world is always against me. Yeah, exactly. It's always against me. It's never against Josh. It's never against Chris. Yes, they're always ganging up on me. Yeah, but no, we gang up on Chris all the time too, yes. and that's part of. You know, one of my strategies is and actually, really watch the board, see what's really happening. Right, right, right. <laughs> and, and I don't actually mind. I, I actually like, like, again, because I don't really, so if I'm not playing to win, what am I playing for? And I don't think I've mentioned this for a long time, but I know I've mentioned it at some point. I love discovering rule systems. I love the rule systems. I love discovering strategies. I typically, in a game, will not play the same strategy twice. So if I find a winning strategy, I'm not going to play that strategy again because I've already won. That, that one's been expended. I want to find the next strategy. So anytime I play, as long as I can be satisfied with the strategy that I tried to play was, you know, a successful attempt, that's, that's what's fun for me. I don't need to win. I'm just like, oh, look at all these points I got. Look at all the glory I got by combining these three cards in Blood Rage. And I'll, I've never played that strategy again. I've, I've been trying to find other combinations that will get me to win. So that's why I play where, so when you're trying to gang up on me, I'm like, all right, well, let's see if the strategy can handle that ganging up. You right? Know, does it does it fit? He's letting us gang up on him. This is good for good fun. <laughs> let. I don't think I have a choice not to let. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and this kind of goes back to you know your old story of playing uh, as a child um, Monopoly over a summer with one kid who just creamed you all the time. Like you just he would crush you every time, and you said that it would kind of like forge that feeling of like, oh, I'm I'm actually. I know I'm going to lose. So, or, you know, losing is fine. It's just part of the equation. So how else am I going to get fun out of this? It's, yep. a, it's a good lesson to learn. You know, I, I wish I could be more like you. But. Well, don't do that. You don't want to be. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something to be said from losing from, or win, or learning from losing. Yes. Like yeah. we learn far more from losing than we do from winning. I in, will in everything. never be taken out by that <laughs> troll again. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, Scorched in your memory. So no matter what, if you lost, as long as you're taking away something, you know, I'm going to lose, but I'm watching what Josh is doing. And wow, that was a brilliant strategy. Photosynthesis that we talked about oh, two yeah. episodes ago. Watching Josh play has changed the way I will play that game in the future. Oh, yeah. Because he destroyed us killed us and it was okay that i lost because like the next time i play i'm going to be much better and be able to like try a better strategy so yeah now we we gave some tips for like the ap player we gave some tips for um you know buying what about and i like your perception where you notice only notice when something bad happens to you what if you had like a, a stack of green and red cubes and every time something good happened to you you just put a green cube like you that was an awesome move. Pull a green cube. Oh, something bad happened to me. All right, pull a red cube. Do you think that'd be interesting to see like at the end of a game, especially like a take that game? 
Because take that as back and forth, back and forth, back yeah. and forth. Do you think having that pile of cubes where at the end you can kind of compare? It's like, see, I have 57 red cubes and you only have 30 and you have 20. You guys were totally ganging up on me. Do you think that would be... Maybe. I think it could be like a fun experiment like a couple times, but it's not how I want to play games forever. Sure, sure, sure. You know? Um, But my tips for the emotional player would more be along the lines of like, be careful what games you pick. Yeah. Know your trigger games. And if you have like other emotional players that are willing to put up with you or... (laughs) really good caring friends you know play with those people but you know that's not the oh we're having a board game party (laughs) like how can i offend all of my friends and make them never want to do this again those are the you know don't pull that game out if you are the emotional player while you're being emotional just try to acknowledge that you are being emotional and if you can if you're in the moment you're like i know i'm being furious and over emotional stop for a moment say look i understand i'm being over-emotional, and I'm really upset about this, but that's not going to stop me because you did this and you did... Because that actually helps, like, break the ice a little bit. It loosens the tension. Like, if you're acknowledging you're emotional, everyone at the table would be like, okay, at least she knows she's insane. That's important. (laughs) (laughs) I think that that has become one of my strengths, is like, I know that... All right, I just need, like, five minutes to be mad about this. You guys keep playing. I'm going to sit over here and be mad. I'm not mad at either of you. I'm mad at the board. I'm mad at myself. I am a little bit mad at Josh, but I'll get over that. (laughs) You know, it's... I'm picking on each no, other. No, 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 it's fine. It, it's you, such, you are better. It was such a great example. <laughs> it, it really is. And, it, and you are really much better at doing that. Like, you definitely call out at the beginning of your frustrating, like, sentence. Okay, yeah, that was the best move for you. But, God, oh, I can't believe it. Uh, I can't, yeah. I can't yeah. deal with it right now. I'm just going to take, like three moves and then I'll be back in the game and talk to you guys again. <laughs> I'm just going to preface all of my moves that I take that are like, not all of them are slightly bad, but anything that's devastating. Kitty, you're still one of my best friends, but I have to do this to you. You've done that I'm to sorry. me a couple times. <laughs> it's true. All right. I want to get to a, a, a post on the BGG forums because um, Michael Olives, incredibly good stuff. So oh, yeah. if you want to read this, um, tabletopgametalk.com slash BGG, that goes to our podcast page on BoardGameGeek. And I am trying to do and have done for pretty much the last 40 some episodes have a input slash feedback thread for all of our episodes and you do that ahead of time as well before the actual we actually do the episode yeah. so people yeah. can contribute right and that's start. the part I, I need to make sure that i'm always doing it ahead of time because every once in a while i forget um and i then i put it up like two days before we record or a day before we record but anyway this one actually came up a little late so um but michael's post was worth worth it all together so michael um and this is verbatim from the thread um i think it's just great in general so i don't want to lose anything here my youngest daughter has had this problem for years she is 13 now and we have been gaming with her for going on six years it was a struggle at first in the beginning we had to stop games entirely and have her sit out while the family picked another game to play I was trying to discourage this behavior and not ruining game night with my older daughter and wife. After a few times of this, she started to take the hint, and her antics in the middle of games mellow. That didn't completely mitigate problems with her. She is still incredibly competitive and gets upset easily if she loses. I've tried a few other tactics since uh, curtailing her worst impulses to varying degrees of success. We've played a lot of co-op games, which she generally sits out these days because she just doesn't enjoy them, which is we find it's common among really competitive players. players. Yeah, you don't like co-op games because it's like, eh, I want to beat someone real, not the board. 
Um, but anyway, he continues. Uh, we have tried to play less aggressive games as some of her favorites to start with were Munchkin and Guillotine, which are both heavy take that <laughs> games. And she really likes things like Tales and Games, the Hare and the Tortoise. She still wants to play her Rick and Morty Munchkin more often than not. Um, I'm not familiar with Tales and Games, but I'm guessing that's a little bit more family friendly where Rick and Morty's Munchkin is not. <laughs> uh, some tips I have learned from several years of fi- figuring out how to make the family game nights work. So, play a game that everyone enjoys. Don't go into a game that only the table flipper or one of the others in the group likes. Yeah. So, it's like, I like Munchkin and I'm going to, you know, play this. Well, okay, you might like it. It's but- like you've taken your family hostage at that point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no one is having fun. <laughs> yep. Um, if the game is aggressive or has a lot of take that, let the table flipper be the first one to make an attack move. So, I like this as... It's it's sort of kind of a band-aid more than a solution. Yeah. But if we're playing with Kitty and her first move is like now she plays the monster and kills our warriors, game on. Yeah. Now exactly. we go. And she can't really be that upset because at least once she knows that she gave us a red cube. Yeah. And that I'm gonna say red cube, green cube. Like <laughs> red cube was bad and green cube I did something good. Right. Um but once you know you've drawn right. first blood. Like that insurance commercial where they talk about like the past and the future good things and bad things yes we always think that you know more good things are going to happen but prepare for the bad things uh insurance but i I still like that idea like i say it's just a band-aid but as long as you know if it's a take that game it's going to happen pretty early in the game anyway so i think that can actually work a little bit um he says to avoid trigger games not all aggressive or take that games are bad but there can be certain ones which there is no way to avoid bad reactions. Um, I want to get to Werewolf just briefly. So Werewolf is one of those games. Kitty does not like want to play this at all. Um, I hate any game where there's accusations. <laughs> right. But because it's it gets very, very emotional. And personal. And very personal. So we've played, I've played games of Werewolf where we as a group were just livid with each other. Like to the point where, I mean, this is a game. One of us has a card that says werewolf on it. All of us are accusing everyone else of doing it. Everyone's getting so upset they're being accused, even though that is the game. So it's like, for some people, that is a trigger game. For me, I love werewolf. I will not play it with certain people because I know they will get more emotional than I'm comfortable with, or I they will make me more emotional than I'm comfortable with. So I like what they're saying about trigger games. Um, his final point here is be patient. Gaming with a table flipper at times can be trying, but if you are willing to work on it, you can find great persons to have at your table. I would say everybody has a good sportsman in them, or sports person, sportswoman, whatever the term may be. Um, it really is like learning good sportsmanship. You know, it's that's what losing is. Losing gracefully is a skill that we all need to work, learn and practice. Yeah. And winning gracefully. Bad winners are almost worse than bad oh, losers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the worst. And luckily none <laughs> of us do that. Yeah. That's that's uh that's it's a very immature mark of yes. you know, and, and kids tend to do this more yeah. than, than yes. adults. Friendly trash talk's okay. Yeah. But but legitimate, you know, man, Rubbing you're so dumb. Gluting. How could you have made that move? Oh, <laughs> the worst. Um, he goes on. I just uh, want to finish this up because it is really good. So most recently, I have used Mintworks to introduce my youngest to worker placements and Euro games. Uh, Mintworks is a game that comes in the size of an Altoid tin. Um, so it's like a little worker placement game. Um, 
she really likes them. I have so far taught her Stone Age, Lords of Waterdeep, Dark Minions, The Brown Service. The best part is she is very competitive with these games, but I haven't had a single negative outburst at the table. I can't wait to try out Barbarians, the invasion, when it gets here in a few weeks, as this will be most um, advanced hero she will have gotten into. So, um, <laughs> he says, great topic. Can't wait to hear his talk. Hope, no, now you have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, um, Kitty, was you were mentioning before we turned on that one of the reasons you like point salad games is because you can't calculate who's winning as easily. So yeah. your emotions are easily more maintained. Yeah. it's I'm more focused on gameplay, on what I'm doing instead of who's winning, what's the competitive angle I have. I feel like I'm optimizing my moves based on what I can do, not on this like perceived, am I going to win? Yep. thing going on. Yep. And I think a lot of these games he mentions are those types of games where yes. they you don't really know who's winning until the very end when you tally all the points. Yeah. Um and a lot of the point salad games and even and the worker placement games tend to have very little take that. You yes. you can optimize your own move based on the board state, but you're not worried about, you know, someone else yeah. messing with your strategy as much. I wonder if there was an element in creating Euro games where that was Almost the intention. Like 100%. It, right? Yeah, the must have been. The history of Euro games, um, and I think we did, we touched on this way back when we were doing like a Euro versus Ameritrash or something like that. But um, the reason why they're Euro games is because after World War II, people were done with fighting. They didn't oh, want to course. conflict anymore. So these games came out that were like points and such. <sighs> so yeah, that is essentially why Euro games are the way they are is so you don't have this super hyper competitive between there's no elimination like up until euro games like games were elimination and that's when you're playing a four-hour game of monopoly and you're the first person out yeah that's not cool there's no uh, fun in that of course yeah uh, europeans are the best <laughs> <laughs> well maybe on that note <laughs> All right, so this is where we end our show. Um, try to keep these things to an hour. They always go over a few minutes, but that's because the last part of the show is a few minutes long. Um, if you want to follow us, you can follow us at Facebook. We're at slash Tabletop Game Talk Podcast. Um, we're at Twitter at Tabletop Game TLK. And you can follow me directly. I am Game Master Chris on Twitter. Um, if you want to leave us an iTunes reviews, we love them. Um, it's one of our favorite things to do is to look at them. Um, and when I see new ones, I will mention them here and say thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, if you want to support us on Patreon, tabletopgametalk.com slash Patreon. That helps us with all the hosting fees and the giveaways and the shipping and, um, you know, generally just says... Chris's Kickstarter habit. My Kickstarter habit. <laughs> and it also gives you entries into our other contests. You don't have to email me or anything like that. If you do, you still get a bonus entry. Um, and if you... Currently, if you email us and put a show topic in there, you get two bonus entries. Um, for the rest of this, we let the Brit talk because everyone likes a Brit. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And thanks for listening. Uh, remember, we love your feedback. So email us with comments or questions at tabletopgametalk at gmail.com. Finally, a huge thank you to our patrons, Emil Jiljam, George, Adam Harrison, Sam from New York, Jason Strong, Terence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Michael Ohl, Trevor Olson, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, Daniel Shepard, C. Marie, Rudy Liu, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry Huang, Mike Smith, Stefan, you mess with the bull, you get the horns, Phillips, Caliber Brian, John Lewis, Jennifer Engelbrecht, 
Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, Carl Hammond, David Radke, Lance Morgan, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Swartzwell, and Jordan Livingston. Until next week, when we talk about game vocabulary, keep playing games and having fun. Good night. I've had a couple of people ask, like, wait a minute, what do you mean with take that? So next episode, we're just going to go down all the vocab. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, when I, when we started this, I had no idea half the stuff you guys were talking about. Yeah. And you still don't. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> I call it a gamer glossary. Gamer glossary? All right. Oh, like that's the good. Alliteration. Yeah. Episode 76, the gamer glossary. Done. So as of this episode, we were finally part of the Dice Tower <laughs> Network. This took me a while to and this was kind of underhanded um i, I know the episode is about kitty but first them? i want to <laughs> sort <laughs> of so i had when we first started it was like 12 episodes in i sent an email to tom saying hey we're a new podcast we'd love to be part of the network and we had met him a few times before then and he responds back with well yeah i'm not trying to like rule the world in in podcasts and there's you know we have enough on the network right now but you know good luck and I'm like, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> but then we went on the Dice Tower cruise, and I subtly dropped that we had a podcast. And he's like, oh, what is it called? And I told him the name. He's like, didn't you email me once? And I'm like, yeah, we tried to get on the network. And he's like, um, email me again. We'll see what we can do. So, <laughs> <laughs> Gotta rub elbows with the big wigs. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but we did have a big jump, like a big jump. And this is why this one here, we did a lot of um, reintroducing ourselves. So last episode, yeah. we did some reintroducing ourselves just because it was like January. This one, we're like, oh, we should probably back up and let you know who we are for all of the new listeners. But yeah, I really liked this episode. Um, mostly because <laughs> we were attacking Kitty the entire time. And she wasn't allowed to fight back because it would have proved our point. So I will say, I think we came from these three episodes from like three different places with our like, quote unquote, problems. <laughs> like, <laughs> so Josh, I feel like we really like had an intervention, which there was like a moment and we were yeah. like, we can't stand this, you know, <laughs> like, we all need to sit down and have a talk heart to heart, you know, and it was a really kind of cathartic episode. We really aired a lot of our dirty laundry up <laughs> there. Yeah. Um, whereas Chris, I feel like he knew he had a problem, but he didn't really want to do anything about it. <laughs> and I was just asking for whereas help. I feel like, <laughs> like, help, please. Um, whereas I feel like actually we, cause we talk about this story and we, a few weeks ago revisited our meta episode. And in that episode, you guys said some stuff to me that really opened my eyes. And I had kind of already seen myself. The way that Josh had, like, you know how you said, you know, seeing it from the outside perspective really opens your eyes like, oh, yep. this is what it looks like, you know? So this, um, the story comes up in both episodes, the blood rage incident, <laughs> <laughs> where, you know, you guys talked during the meta episode about how it affects how you play against me. And like hearing you guys say that during that episode, I was like, well, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to do that to people. And it really made me think about 
how I react at the table. And even if I still feel the same way, like just showing it differently or um, we talked about like self-directed versus directed at others. Like I don't try not to get mad at Josh for what he did. I get mad at myself because I left myself open to that possibility. And that's it feels less attacky. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. I felt like I had already done a lot of work here before we got to this episode. I'm actually amazed that the Dice t- Dice Masters story didn't come up in this episode. <laughs> I know. It's you know, come up so many one... times. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We, we only have six stories, it turns out. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't think that was very table flippy in the moment. I just, like, that was more like... You vowed I never to play with me go. again. I hold grudges. Yeah, you my said, grudge I'm, holding has not changed. He said, "I am never playing this Ask game with you sisters. again." Ask my sisters. Yeah, it wasn't fun anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I will say that you did have a table flipping moment when we played a game of KeyForge. Um, the decks were just not balanced, and you had no chance, and you were very, very upset about that. But uh, all in all, I do agree that for the most part, and it's part of it goes to what we were talking about with like game selection. You know, we just now play games that we know we're all going to enjoy. And I will say, I, I got a bit frustrated with Keyforge because timing worked out where the newest set came out um, right as I was, um, I think I just got pregnant. We were going on a big trip. There was a lot going on and I didn't have a lot of money to spend getting some new decks in the new set. And so I felt like everyone kind of left me behind there that like... I had been keeping up and I had all this skill. I had my decks I like to play. And then the new set came out and I was just like, not as competitive anymore. And that was kind of that moment where I was like, I need to not care about Keyforge as much. Yeah, so. you have to have priorities. And it it's not fun because I like to play Keyforge. And I really loved being able to play a game competitively. I really enjoyed being part of the tournament, you know. Set. Well, the nice thing about it is fun and doing vault tours was really great. Yeah, you have a break in 2020 because everything's been canceled, so yep. <laughs> you can come back in 2021 and be in the same footing as everybody else. So you're good to go. Yeah, and you know it just and this actually gave me an idea for an episode topic. I think I wrote it down here: lifestyle games. I think we've done that topic. Have we done it? Have I we? Think so I, I'm almost Find positive the episode. we can revisit that one too. All right. <laughs> yeah, this one. Because um, we talked Fletcher, a lot did, about this. Yeah, what did you think, Fletcher? Is this does this describe Kitty as you know her, or uh, no? Would, are, were you surprised to hear this about her? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, it does not describe Kitty as I as I know her. Um, so, I mean, I guess I'm, I wasn't surprised because I have you've mentioned this before, <laughs> but it doesn't describe me as I as I know. And granted, we haven't played like a ton of games together. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really get this vibe. I am wondering if, if anybody ever did implement like the red and bl- green, like cube <laughs> thing at all. Cause I no. thought that was kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, no, but I do kind of want, uh, actually, you know, what'd be great is just make a game around that. So it's part of the game <laughs> when something life. good happens to you. Yeah, well, <laughs> eh, you could do that too. Um, but I mean, you could see a game where if something good happens to you, you take a green cube. If something bad happens to you, you take a red cube. And at the end of the game, you know, you get to decide you know, it's part of your score or whatever. But then you could actually see it's like, wow, like 
66% of the time something good happened, but all I remember is how I got these red cubes. I think it'd be kind of a neat little meta game to play. But it had to be part of the game because trying to superimpose it on top just that concept didn't really work out. Yeah. Yeah. Josh, what do you think? I mean, think? it's the same as like the stopwatch. It's the same as the sticky notes, you know. It all sounds great in theory, but it's just adding more work. Uh, I don't know if it even sounds great. It sounds it doesn't sound fun <laughs> at all to me. Uh, it, it doesn't sound fun. It sounds interesting. If something bad happens and, you know, comparing yourselves to others. I mean, this is what people do on social media too much these days, comparing each other. But I don't know. I'm kind of intrigued you you were very gracious about this by the way you you were very you know and we, we called you a table flipper and then you were like super like understanding and you were like yeah this can't be good for other people so you know kudos to you uh during this episode yeah, i, I like, thought you were I'm very gracious about it table flipper i'm a meeple thrower or a meeple tosser <laughs> <laughs> well you gave yourself were the monopoly name. houses yeah. that's true I, you I mean, yeah it was well, table earlier. flipping is a thing yeah but yeah. So I just followed what you said. So that's that's why the name came where it came from. And I, I can completely relate as well, because like we've said this before. I'm a competitive player and often that's where it's coming from. And like, you know, I often it triggers for me in like games of werewolf and stuff. I mean, I can take it lightly, but, you know, like we said, you're always getting accused and I just can't help but react in those moments. But the, the flip side of that mm-hmm. is... I then, if I'm the werewolf, I have to pretend to be outraged every time that yeah. someone accuses me, <laughs> even though I'm not feeling that outraged inside. I'm like, uh-oh, they're onto me. And so I end up like overhamming it up and just being like, what? And like flipping tables and stuff. I remember doing this one time and someone thought I was genuinely like really, really angry at them. And like, it, it was all an act. I was just trying to throw them yeah. off the scent. I will yeah. say that it's, it's a bit easier to be gracious about this kind of thing because i will admit it does not only affect my life in gaming (laughs) i you know this isn't only something that happens when i play games i have a bit of a temper i have a tendency to get very frustrated and express that frustration outward um and i think just you know part of growing up and being an adult and you know we've been doing this now for how many years years (laughs) four (laughs) years now wow yeah yeah (laughs) Four years now, you know, like, not saying that I started this as a child and now I'm an adult, but, you know, you do grow over time. And recognizing this in one aspect of my life has helped me see it in others as well. And I think, you know, I'm just becoming a more serene and calm person. Not that I will ever actually be serene and calm, but I'm getting more (laughs) as I age, mellowing out. Has, are there any other um, anecdotes think, of times that it's happened? I know someone, uh, Keyforge was mentioned, but were, are there any other standout moments since then where you have kind of got a little upset? Uh, we were playing D&D one time, <laughs> and Chris tried to tell us what happened. I got pretty salty there, too. <laughs> Try to tell uh, you what you know, happened. Like, it's his job as the dungeon master to tell us what happens if we fail a roll. Oh. <laughs> no, we don't do that. <laughs> that was another one. And I, I don't even think... Chris really called me out on that one. But like, you know, I remember it and I was like embarrassed about it later. And I was like, well, well, things happen. (laughs) It's just one of those things that, well, I understand that different people get frustrated around different things. Like Spencer's kind of the opposite, right? Nothing phases him. He's just like, okay, whatever. (laughs) 
It's just yeah. kind of chill. That's why we can be married to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, eh, okay, whatever. Um, I don't ever mean to. I mean, I still, I to this day, I still try to avoid upsetting you. But it's not to the point where <laughs> it's it's not a problem anymore. It's just, it's like you would for any of your friends, right? It's like there's, you know, some things are buttons that you don't want to push. And so you're not going to push those yeah. buttons. But inside of a game... I'm not holding back, you know, where if I ever play Keyforge with you again, I probably won't destroy you as much as I did the last time. Um, I'll make it seem close for you, but... Ooh, <laughs> it was just such How an unbalanced pairing of decks. And it it was just like, it was the end of the day. I hadn't gotten a chance to play. My kid was being a brat. And I was like, oh, finally, I get to sit down and play a game. And I just got destroyed. And it wasn't like a little bit destroyed. It was like, I accomplished nothing. And Chris just destroyed my entire, like, I, he didn't even have to try to beat me into a pulp. <laughs> it was sort of an accident. And like, yeah, didn't, it, we it didn't know. New, we had never played these decks against yeah, each was, other before. We couldn't know that that was going to happen. And it was a new mechanic that I hadn't really ever played before and Chris had played like twice so we had no idea that like Chris was going to have 30 amber and I was going to be unable to do anything but it was still (laughs) going to take him three turns to forge keys and like I could just sit there and watch him do it and it felt a little bit like that game of photosynthesis where I'm just sitting here I'm like I have no chance and I just have to sit here and let him win for the next 15 minutes because there's nothing I can do and it's just like ah but yeah, it's a game, <laughs> and it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it is. Sure, it's fine. Let's see a few things. They can't on... see my crazy eyes through the camera. <laughs> I guess. Um, any <laughs> the other podcast doesn't show the crazy eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it shows them. It, it does. People feel them in their soul. <laughs> um, anything else that stood out at you guys? That's this was it. a fun one to listen to now because this is the last episode before I had player three. I think this was recorded two days before I gave birth. Yep. And we had purposely done that. We set it up so that we recorded this one early um, just in case mm-hmm. because we normally record it on Sunday nights. And this was recorded on a Friday, I believe. And you ended up yep. going into labor on Sunday. That Sunday morning, that Sunday yep. evening, I was definitely in the hospital. <laughs> yep. So it so, worked out great. The timing was well, was 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 very well done. Um, let's see a few other things. Uh, we've never been in the dice tower booth, not because we weren't aren't invited to. It's just because when I go to conventions, I don't want to work a booth, so I've never really set that up. I eventually did end up backing Nemesis. Um, I this the week that this aired, I backed Tiny Epic Zombies, and most recently, I just backed Tiny Epic Pirates. I am a sucker for Tiny Epic anything. Uh, <laughs> nothing I, has changed there. <laughs> nothing has changed. Tiny Epic, if it's if it's there, I am going to back it. Doesn't matter what other rules are in, in place. It is the exception. Um, let's see. Yeah, that's that's about it. I think we were talking about sticky notes, but we covered sticky notes in the last episode, so uh, mm-hmm. no no need to recap that stuff. But yeah, like I, said, I this series of podcasts, these three. Really just kind of, if if I had to submit to a, like, a podcast uh, awards something or other, and you had to pick a podcast <laughs> to submit, I think episode 74, Analysis Paralysis, would be that one. But the whole three, all three of these together, just 
really are some of the ones that I'm I'm most proud of. Um, there was one yeah. we did on personality types, I think, that was also really, really well done. But that will not be the one you hear next week. There's only one more of these left, and then we go back to our regularly scheduled programming. Yeah. It's it's going to be weird. It's going to be like starting a podcast fresh. But, huh, wow. I'm so excited to not be doing this right now. Have a nice <laughs> summer off. <laughs> well, I love you I, guys. But... <laughs> Well, I have still been editing all of these and putting them all together and been doing a introduction to each podcast in real time. So the introduction you hear at the beginning is within a day or so of the podcast actually going up. So I don't get a full vacation, but it is still a little oh, bit easier. you poor thing, Chris. <laughs> I hate you all. I hate you all. <laughs> uh, but next week, we are going to announce some plans for episode 201. And yeah, so you'll just have to listen to next week's episode, or at least skip to the end. Um, and but I think that's good. And then Josh, you know what I'm going to ask you for. So um, and you I know, luckily this time, luckily <laughs> this time, I'm totally prepared. <laughs> so finally, a huge thank you to our patrons: Adam Harrison, The Gift of Games, Jason Strong. Terence Miltner, Stephen Seitz, Brian Arnold, Sean P. Kelly, C. Marie, Rudy Rudy Lou, Benjamin Heimowitz, Jerry, it only took him 50 times to get my name right, Wong, Caliber Brian, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Justin Willard, Christopher Dong, Jason Marks, Jeremy Fisher, David Radke, Nick Quickstra, David Sellers, Jason Rodney, Michael Yanikowski, Miles Clark, Cindy Lum, Phil Swartzwell, Anne Reynolds, Eric Huffman, Adrian Dong, Faz Flintham, Sean Peck, Eric Silander, Mike Smith, Joe Hoover, Glenn Cotter, Don Gilstrap, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verhurst, Christopher Letko, John Lewis, Joe Rackstad, Ron Nelson, Sahara Wentworth, Weatherman Keith, Nicholas Lott, Agnes Toth, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Matthew Drock, Droke, Aaron Moore, Jesse Wheeler, Charles Pearson, David Rank, Sam Laser Brown, and Christopher Comstock. Wouldn't it be so easy if I just let you read it once and just kept using that same audio clip over and over? Oh, it wouldn't be <laughs> half as fun, though, would it? 